Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Back to work, back in the office. I'm feeling kind of chipper. I don't know why. Maybe it's nice outside. Maybe it's because I can go get a fucking beer on a patio. Which even we though, are. Even though I really don't drink much anymore, I'm going to enjoy a fucking beer on a fucking patio today. There's a lot of F-bombs. Are you uh, You want to know why there's a lot messages? of F-bombs? Yes, because, <laughs> because you, know, you know, I'm going to leave it alone. Just go check out the Instagram or go check out the Facebook. We got some very lovely comments from somebody who was listening to a podcast. And the podcast is actually really, really funny because the podcast is about someone who used to be a registered massage therapist who was a dominatrix. And like you would think just by the nature of the content, you would expect it to not be squeaky clean fucking Mary Poppins type of episode. But someone listened to it and really kind of (laughs) threw me under the bus for the language that I was using. And I thought that was and you too, by the way. Yep. And I thought that was hilarious, especially because the guest on the podcast didn't originally want to be a guest, but when she heard our podcast, she listened to episodes and the format of which we had, she was thrilled at the idea to come on. And then she wrote up a really nice review about us and really how we speak and how real we are. And that includes the language, which I thought was fucking hilarious. So the person who chewed me out for the language piece, she really loved the content and really loved the guest. And the podcast would be better without the male and without the male's foul language, but our guests who you love their content liked the hosts. I think this whole thing's really fucked up. I think people don't know what they like. I have no clue what's going on. So my suggestion to you is this, anyone that's listening, if you don't like what we do and you don't like how we talk, I'm going to tell you right now, press stop, <laughs> unsubscribe. You can still send us mail and and email and messages because I love it. I eat that shit up, right? I love posting it. I love posting the negative shit, the positive shit. I'll post it all. So feel free to send us stuff. By the way, it's not going to change anything that we do. I do have I do have a question though. I'm really curious. I'm really fucking curious. Do people actually send messages or? call up radio stations or TV stations or better yet the writers or producers of TV shows and say this is this is what you guys are doing this is what I think you guys should do because this would be better this way like do you think this person would send an email to NBC back back when two and a half men was on for example and say listen that Charlie character the one that played by Charlie Sheen that one that Charlie character too sexual too sexual I think the show would be better if there was no sex from that guy do you think people actually do that do you want my answer yes do people email Chris Rock and say you know what too many swears I don't know if I can do it too many do swears do you want my answer sure the answer is yes they do <laughs> really when, <laughs> when uh, who was who was the Super Bowl halftime show last was it uh, J-Lo and Shakira no idea and people went fucking nuts and were literally it's one thing to go nuts Literally go no, they were like mad and uh, at, mad the, at, at the NFL for like putting on something so sexual and they were angry. And there are people Can I ask you, who write in to let me let me ask you okay, sorry, sorry. So I, I wanna ask you this question. I threw my mic by the I way because he never lets me Because I want to ask you this question. You know, J-Lo has a sexual performance. You know that. You've, if you've seen her stuff before, or even if you hear her music, or you've seen a video, or if you've just seen her in a magazine, or the way she dresses, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of a, there's a little bit of the sex going on there. Do you know what I'm saying? So why would I not expect that from somebody? Why would I look at her or know her history of music and know her history of performance and expect it because it's the Super Bowl? It's going to be something different. Well, most rational people did. Unfortunately, there's always the 
of people that I, it's, it's the entitlement, I guess, thinking that everything needs to appeal to them. It was even in the wording of this, this person's email that was sent to us that said, I think I speak for most normal educated people. <laughs> now, if this was a couple of years ago when we first started, I might have taken offense to that because you're basically telling me I'm not normal nor am I educated because I said fuck. And by the way, she wrote, Oh, did I just hear the female, uh, swear? Oops. I can assure her it was not a mistake. I meant to say it. And I'm okay <laughs> you know with shit, foul language. That, stuff kills me one foul language is foul language and i think we said this before on another podcast it might even be on dana's podcast with this person i was talking about we were talking about language and i was brought up the idea like the words that we use on our podcast fuck shit ass dick these are not hurtful these don't mean anything to anybody it might not be appealing to your ear and you might kind of cringe at it but they're not hurtful that's the first thing the second thing is when you talk about the whole intelligence piece we've had really fucking brilliant people sitting on our couch and be on our be yeah. on our podcast and if these highly intelligent people i'm talking doctors medical doctors phds all these fucking smart people academic fucking brilliant people decide they want to sit on our couch and talk with us and by the way, these are some of the people that have the nicest fucking things to say about what we do here. Mm-hmm. Like, if they of a certain amount of intelligence, academics, it's it's not okay for you, but it's okay for them. Mm, I feel weird about that. In other words, I'm just... I'm, I'm, fuck off. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Um, I guess, what's your, what's your opinion on, like, kids swearing let's see are how are kids swearing and when are they swearing and what are they saying in the context of which they say things so for, well, i guess like because like the one reason why like i like this podcast because it's unfiltered right yep. so you don't have to spend time wasting your energy trying to find a way to say something when you could just say it the way you feel with with kind of emotion swearing and stuff like that not to say that you're doing it on purpose but you don't have to stop yourself right right so if you had like a household where you did that and there was a child there because i have a three and a half year old kid and like i'm not purposely trying to swear in front of him or anything like that but Mm -hmm. like i'm unfiltered the same way at home and you know he's probably like when we give him the babysitters and things like that um, they would send us back saying he's the most genuine kid we've ever met. Yep. He's so loving and stuff. But like, yeah, he drops the F-bomb every once in a okay, while. Okay, so because- like I've got young kids and do I want them swearing? No, because I feel like I feel like curse words is adult language. The same way I don't yep. want them drinking a beer. The right. same way I don't yep. want them smoking a joint. Now, at some yep. point when it's age appropriate for them to explore that language or to explore that alcohol or to explore that weed, then that's fine. So for me, it's what's age appropriate. This is adult language, right? Yeah. So therefore, yeah. I don't expect little kids to be using adult language. The same way yeah. I don't expect a little kid to put on a pair of adult size nine shoes and go out the fucking front door for the day of school so like if they were if they did say something like instead of like disciplining them rather just saying like you know there's other words that you can use until it's appropriate but not to like demonize it well and our our children have definitely um dropped an f-bomb dropped an f-bomb and not knowing what they're saying no and exactly and it's not a part of his main vocabulary right no it's it's not like it happens a lot but there was a moment uh not that long ago i can't remember exactly where uh the two girls were in their playroom they're playing together and 
we thought we heard the youngest who just turned three. We thought we heard her say like, what the fuck or something like that. And so both of us, our ears perked up because we don't swear like freely like that at home. We actually don't swear in front of the kids. Because it's adult language. language. When we're having a conversation with other adults or just with the two of us and when they're in bed, fine. But when we're together as a family, no, I don't. I don't say fuck in front of the kids. But we did hear her say it. And then so we both went, excuse me, what was that? And then the older one, who's going to be six soon. And we did that in a way that wasn't mad. No, we just, we wanted to know, what did you say? What was that word you said? And so the older sister um, yelled out to us. She said, she said, what the fuck? I don't know if I'm using the right sentence, but the point is it had fuck in it. And so we called them out and we said, where did you hear that word? And neither one of us, neither one of them could tell us where they heard it. But the point is they heard it. And we said, okay, not a problem. And exactly as you said, we didn't demonize it. We didn't tell them they're in trouble. We just said, that's a word that's it's it's not appropriate to use. It's an adult word. Um, you know, there's other words that you could use. Pretty much exactly mm-hmm. what you just said. Yeah. You know, just letting them know yeah. it's not language we want you to use. But the funny thing is, is we have no idea where they heard it. Did they pick it up from one of us? Maybe. Most maybe likely. maybe they overheard us if we thought they weren't an earshot and they were. But no, I didn't yell at them. I didn't get them. Honestly, I've said this before and I meant it and I still mean it. If the worst thing that my kids ever do is say fuck, I'm winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of that's kind of where it is. Like you pick your back battles on like yeah. like obviously it's not something like i said like when he goes places he's super genuine and he doesn't use that kind of language but like it's i pick my battles like i'd rather make it so that he doesn't hit people like that's exactly. something that right. i really i really pay attention to or treat people fair right or he's not using language that's that's actually hurtful exactly right mm-hmm. he's not hurtful using language yeah exactly he's not using language mm-hmm. to put down another student in his class or make fun of somebody or whatever the case is i actually just remembered what the sentence was that our daughter used and i'm giggling still it was funny how are you not gonna laugh when a not even three-year-old child says i can't get this fucking boot off that's what it was <laughs> i can't get this fucking boot off i was i you know i was trying to hold back the laughter just to say to her like you know you could just say i can't get this boot off <laughs> well she's using passion in that too right there was so like, much passion boot. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> and the funny thing is you laugh harder at those that you you have more of a difficult time holding back on those humorous moments than i do so much right it's i'm so more hard. like mm, my- come on kid like this is adult language let's Let's keep it for adults. I'm sorry. It's adorable. When a kid swears, it's adorable. I get it. You send me the hate mail. Well, you, I don't you, care. You, you it's say, funny. You say, oh, that's bad. But afterwards, when you go behind the scenes, like you're laughing. When it's the kids so funny. Oh, yeah, you're sure. like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, because the way the way I weigh these things out a lot of the time is is if I saw this in a fucking movie or if I saw this in a TV show, would I chuckle? Totally. And I would laugh my fucking head off if I saw that in a movie, right? This little kid, kick my fucking boot on. I'd, I'd be rolling in the fucking floor laughing at the movie theater. We use that actually. Mark and I use that at home a lot. Like, when we get in like silly disagreements or disputes at home about something ridiculous, I will stop and say to him, you know how fucking funny this would be if it were in a sitcom? Exactly. Like we will literally stop our argument to say this would be funny if we were watching it because we can recognize like we're even our argument is funny right now. So anyway, so let's- do you bring this into the clinic too, just with like, because I've had uh, clients that you know, once you warm up with them, they start, you know, dropping the F-bombs and while you're talking to them in the clinic, like, are you that open in the clinic as well? I am in the clinic that I'm in now. So we yeah. have a private practice, Amanda it's myself. Just us. So it's really just us here. Um, so Yeah, see, that's why you kind of get to choose what you want to exactly. do because you have no one to it. Yeah, that's why I went into a home-based practice. But, I, but I've worked in other places before where there's a lot of different therapists, a lot of different clientele around. And I don't care what kind of language you're using when you're in my clinic 
room and it's really just conversation between you and me, then go gangbusters. I don't give a shit what you say, right? But now when you start to say things that might be offensive to other people in the clinic yeah. and they're an earshot of that, that's a whole other story. It's like, just let's let's be mindful that, that this isn't a place where... It's common to have that type of language fly around very freely. Feel free to do it when my door is closed with me. But when other people, other therapists, other clients, other patients can potentially hear what you're saying, be very mindful. Yeah. I agree. Well, I think we should actually introduce who yeah, we're speaking to because we just kind of jumped it. I'm so sorry. This fault. no, you know what? No, it's okay. This it's has been fault. this has been I think on our minds ever since we got that email because, because it makes me it makes oh, me yeah. chuckle. Can I say something too? Yeah, of course. Um, when I read the email from Karen, um, I <laughs> I just like I instantly was on your side in the sense that like, yeah, when you said one person may not like it, but 10 people will, and there's enough podcasts and things for the, for the one person that's not going to like it. You can find something else that's really beneficial to you, but people that want unfiltered content, Yes, like the, the the other nine people that love that, that's what this is for. And I appreciate that you put that email out. I'll tell you where the where the problem lies with that. The people who have the very clean cut podcasts are not going to have the fucking RMT who's a dominatrix, are not going to mm-hmm. have the lady who owns yeah. a massage parlor, a licensed body stuff. rub. Like they're yeah. not going to yeah. have those types of guests on, right? right? So that's the thing. The, that person is not going to have the dude who lives in the van. Like they, they won't have that type of content. Yeah. That's that's. That's where the problem lies. You want to hear something that's a little bit more out of the box, a little bit on the edgier side? Well, then that comes with two hosts that are a little bit more loose with their language. And that's all there is oh, to cool. it. Do you just call me loose? Well, I did <laughs> call you loose because apparently there's a podcast that's coming out that you really... Anyway. <laughs> anyway. All right. So let's do some introductions. So hey, everyone, it's Amanda. And we have Dryden on the phone from Regina, Saskatchewan. If you are not Canadian, you may not know where this is. Even if you are Canadian. Even if you... <laughs> no. Yeah. They call us the gappers, right? The, the gap in between anything that's fun in Canada. <laughs> I have never heard that before, but oh, the only thing well, I know about Saskatchewan, I'm going to tell you the truth right now, is I know that you're like in the prairies, it's pretty flat, and Mark mm-hmm. and I really used to wa- love a sitcom based, yeah, Corner Gas, based on a fictional town in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I imagine yeah. when I hear Saskatchewan, I imagine like, yeah, the, like Dog River. Like, I imagine you're in the middle of nowhere with just empty planes. <laughs> if you fall asleep at the wheel you'll wake up when you run out of gas <laughs> <laughs> which means you live in a glorious place my man like that sounds yeah. fucking awesome to me well, i'm not gonna lie <laughs> I, I love regina it's, it's home i love it i love it here before we get into anything i would really like it if you would actually introduce yourself so i'll give everyone a, sure. a really quick background dryden has only been a therapist a year reached out to us because he likes our our format, as you've heard, he's very supportive of what we do. He thought we have a very unique podcast. And he said, I would actually just love to come on and talk. And we said, sure, what do you want to talk about? And he's like, that's a good question. <laughs> so we yeah. thought, okay, what the hell? You know, this is what we do. If you like what we do, then sure, come on, let's chat. And so um, he has only been a therapist a year. So part of why he's here today is really to actually, I think, interview us a little bit too and get some advice yeah. on starting up. You, not me. I don't know. Both of us. <laughs> um, so anyway. You especially, yeah. So anyway, why don't you, Dryden, give us a little bit of a backstory on you? I mean, we know you're a dad. We know you're a massage therapist, but yeah. tell us a little bit about you before we jump into anything. Hey, guys. My name is Dryden. Uh, I'm from Regina, Saskatchewan. I'm a Métis person, so I'm part Native, part French, if you guys don't know what Métis is. 
Uh, I'm in my first year after practice of massaging. I went to school at Western College of Massage Therapy. Um, I'm 31 years old, uh, and I feel like this is the profession for me. Uh, I wanted to come on the podcast just to talk about a few things. Um, being Métis, I was able to use a couple grants to be able to go to school and get funded. So I wanted to kind of bring that up too. So if there's any other Métis people that needed to get funding to go to school, that could be something that they can uh, get some knowledge from this as well. Um, and then just talking about the advantages for me, ba- basically just from the difference of coming from a construction-based um, life before uh, and then getting into massage therapy. So the the chances of being able to open up your own practice and really, really make some money, uh, but not breaking your back by doing it. All right. So before massage, you were working in construction and yeah. wasn't really your thing. Now, I I understand, you know, based on what you said, that you wanted to do something where you could, you know, go to school and acquire some knowledge. But there's so many different career options. Something must have attracted you towards massage. Were you a previous massage therapy patient? Did you know someone who was interested in it or who was involved yeah. in it? How did you get in this? So so what happened was uh, I used to be really into the health and fitness industry. Um, and I got injured uh, in a car accident. Um, I ended up r- driving into uh, a light post. And because of that, I had a concussion, whiplash, I had a cracked rib. Uh, you know, the headaches that come from a concussion, everything like that. And being working in construction, it put me out. So I couldn't work for about two and a half months. And I saw that my money took a big hit from that. My life, my like depression kicked in, everything like that, 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 that happens when you can't work. And then I went to a massage therapist. And the cool story with that is that the place that I went, it was an SGI claim. Um, so when you get injured, you can go through SGI. Uh, so I went and saw her for 10 treatments. It was this place called the Lay Wellness Center. And it was the owner that ended up treating me. And during those 10 treatments, she explained to me kind of like the benefits of owning your own practice and how she got there and like how what she was doing before and how happy she was. And just looking in the environment, I, I just, it really attracted me coming from like the construction, like the people that you're around and working at the pipeline, it's, it's just, you know, coveralls and you're dirty and you're showering when you get home and um, just to get all the dirt out of your ears and everything like that. So after the treatments, I said, you know what, I think I'm going to look into going back to school when I had my son. I was like, I want to do something that makes him proud. So I thought about going back to school and I talked to her about it. And then she kind of mentored me on the things that I would need to know. And I went to the orientations and the person at the school, his name's Michael Harvey. He sold me on massage therapy. It just like, it, it just, I, after the, the orientation, I was like, this is something I'm doing. So with the support of my friends and the family and uh, going through the Gabriel DeMont Institution for funding, I was able to go to school. It's a two-year diploma in, Re- in Regina. So it's, I think, 7,200 hours or 2,200 hours that you had to complete. Um, so I took that. And then after I finished, I contacted the place that uh, the owner of Alay Wellness, the girl that treated me, that owned the clinic. And she actually hired me at the clinic. And I worked there up until COVID hit. And that's where I started my career. And there was a couple of chiropractors there, reflexologists and uh, like Reiki. What about the person at the school that you attended? You said that he sold you on the idea. What yeah. did he say that made you go, yep, that's it. Yeah. I'm doing this. Let's sign me up. How do we do this? How, what what, what, was, sure. what was said there? So when, when I worked at Evraz, it's a, it's a steel pipe manufacturing company. So you're doing 12-hour shifts, four days on, two days off, four days on, two days off. My brother who's working in the basement right now, he, he still works there. And the lifestyle that you have there, it's not something that I would suggest for people, right? And when I went to the orientation, 
Michael, he, he just, he, the calmness in his voice and just the way he described his life right now as being like a teacher of massage therapy after practice and all those years and just said like, you know, this is, if you're a massage therapist, you can work this much and you can do this. And then if you had, uh, you know, aspirations to do something else, you could have time to do that. And it's really about um, deciding how much money you want to make in life. And if you can fit massage therapy in it, you can have a really good life. And that's what really sold me. So now that you're practicing, you're finished school and you're practicing, are you finding mm-hmm. that the things that he told you are actually true? Or are you like, fuzz, not exactly it? <laughs> well, um, I guess anybody that's listening right now, your first year of practice is, is a roller coaster. You have <laughs> like different months where you're busy and not busy. So I guess with, with uh, it went by really fast. So I, I, I haven't had time to really think. I guess like stopping and thinking now, yeah, it is. I love my life right now. I love the, I love massaging. I love um, the opportunities that it gives you. I love the, like even right now talking to you guys, like, yeah, it's crazy. It's, he definitely was right. Yeah. It's funny. Your story is almost exactly like mine. And seeing as I know you listened to some of our episodes, you've probably Mm -hmm. heard, I had the same experience. I talked to Mark, who was a massage therapy instructor at the time. And Mm -hmm. he was just telling me about the career. You know, we didn't talk about what school was like, because I didn't really care about that. I knew that if it was something I wanted to do academically, Mm -hmm. I could figure it out. Like that was not a concern. Mm -hmm. We just talked about the life. And he was talking about, you know, you've got it's, it is a very free type of career. You can decide what type of hours you want to work, what type of clients you want to work with. Um, you know, you can make a really good living at it based on how much you want to work. And uh, the other night we were talking and I said to him, every so often on purpose, I just stop and I ask myself, like sometimes even out loud, if I'm by myself, I stop and ask myself, do I really love this job? Like, do I actually love it? Because I say I love it a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, I host yeah. a massage therapy podcast. It'd be really weird if <laughs> I said like I fucking hate this stuff. Do you feel like you have to say you well, love it? Well, th- this is why I stop and actually check in with myself. Like, do I really like this? And I said to him the other night, now, granted, I think I drank three quarters of a bottle of wine by the time I had this conversation with him. Probably more. Probably more. But I said... And you know what the answer is? The answer is yes, I do actually really love this job because everything that Mark told me, you know, 12 years ago is actually true. I have structured my entire life in it. Like, I've sorry, I've structured my career to fit my life, not my yeah. life to fit my career, you know, and it's been, it's been good. And I, you know, I make a comfortable living and I, and when I go home, I never go home feeling really drained. You know what I mean? Like I've had those jobs where I go home and I'm like, thank God today is over. I never really dread coming here. I never really dread treating clients. Even on days where I'm not feeling 100%, it's not, I don't know, it never seems like it's that much See, work. The reason why I ask this is because there was a dude that I've been trying to get on the podcast for a long time. He was a student of mine when I when I first started teaching and he didn't last very long in this career. He was actually a really, really good student and he was like the valedictorian of his class and he was really into the idea of doing massage work, but he didn't last in it very long because whatever he was told by his admissions rep that made him very gung-ho and excited about entering the career, he found out or what worked for him or how it went for him was the first two years was nothing like what he thought it was going to be based on what someone told him it was going to be like. And then he thought maybe it's going to get better. And then he kind of jumped around from different jobs and different locations, all doing massage therapy, just trying to find what he really wanted to do or how he can fit into the industry. And then after doing this for, I think, five or six years, trying to find 
find his place, he decided, I don't have a place. I don't fit here. This is not yeah. for me. And he kind of wishes he knew that before. So he feels like he kind of got the sales job on that. But, yeah. you know, it's interesting. I guess, so like, now he's in that, that would be one thing that I wanted to, to kind of talk about, too, is like, when you first go out into the field, I was lucky that I had a, a place where I can go and really um, gain confidence as a therapist and be able to um, get out into the field. Because when you're in school, you're in school, you're you're assessing dysfunctions that aren't actually there and you're treating things that aren't actually there. When you go into practice, it's, it's different. My first week into practice, I had a gentleman come in uh, with a DVT um, sent by a doctor and I had to refuse service and tell him to go get a second opinion. And it ended up, he ended up having a DVT and having to go to the hospital and get and things like that. So when you, when you get into practice and you see, yeah, the things that you're learning in school, they're going to happen until, but, but before that, it was just, does this person want me to touch them? Like, does this person want me to massage them? I guess, Do you know what I mean? Like that was the worry. And I have one of uh, the students that I went to school with, he was the, like on the honor roll, um, A's in every test. He, he killed it in everything. He was amazing. Um, young guy, right. And he had energy going through the roof and he, same thing. He was sold on it. And then when he went out into the field, he found that it was hard for him just based on his confidence to be able to get into the place that he thought he wanted to be mm. or the place that they said that they were. And then he, for the first couple of years, well, the first year, cause he worked, went to school with me. Um, he struggled cause he was working at a spa. And he's getting, you know, 85, uh, they're taking, what is it, 45 or 55%. Mm. And he's getting 45%. And when, when you're working that hard and you're not getting the money that you kind of thought you were going to get right off the bat, and then you don't see a future where it's going to change, it kind of takes a toll on you, I guess. Right? Yeah, for sure. And then just to cut into that with that as well, um, with myself, like I found that being in an environment with other therapists that didn't uh, base their practice on assessment-based therapy and they just preventative care, relaxation, massage for every single person that walked in the door. Uh, it was hard for me as a therapist that really strived on doing, you know, what we were taught to do in school um, to, to be around that because you couldn't confide in people. And then when you did, it, you almost felt like you were, I, don't, I wouldn't say stepping on their toes, but I found a lot of clients ended up switching over to get treatments from me just because I was able to, you know, actually treat the dysfunction rather than just mask it, mm -hmm. you know? And then, so with me, once COVID hit, um, I have a son, so I was able to use CERB. Um, and with that, I went right into trying to start a home-based practice. Like I just, I wanted to do everything I could. So every minute of every day, building the website, building the brand logo, making sure that I wanted to do this. Right. And then the, the construction days. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I know I'm from construction, but it's been a minute and <laughs> holy cow, just to get like, cause when you go online and you want to do like the business plan um, and you have to do everything by the book, obviously. And by cold, you're getting inspections and with COVID right now, it's hard to do those things. So where you're ready to start doing something, you have to wait almost yeah. two weeks to get Hurry an approval or pass something. So, that's why with me, like I'm drywalling downstairs, hoping to try to get this all done. Um, my brother, sadly, is down there doing it for me right now. <laughs> I can hear <laughs> he's cooking me up frog legs as a as a treat afterwards. I don't know. I guess because we're French. Huh? I was about to say my mother's French, and when growing up, uh, so my actually um, 
my mother's family, I think is, uh, they're all from Quebec. And we actually do have some native like in our family, but there's a little mm-hmm. bit of like wonkiness with our family tree somewhere it gets lost. So I couldn't even tell you exactly where everybody's from. But anyway, frog legs was a thing when my mom was yeah. a child, like it was a thing that her, her parents, I guess. Time. But when we were kids, I know I always said to my mom, I will never eat feet. Fun fact, when I met Mark, <laughs> his father is Chinese and <laughs> they are totally, totally okay with eating feet as well. Of course. First time we ever went to a like real Chinese restaurant with Mark's parents, Chicken I said to plate. him, you know, I'm very open-minded. I, I love food. I'm happy to try anything. I said, please just don't give me any food that's looking at me and no feet. First thing this man did was put a chicken foot on my plate. I'm like, man, my mom couldn't get me to eat frog legs. I'm not eating chicken feet. Like no legs, no feet. I mean, that sounds stupid. No legs, no feet. Like as if I don't eat uh, chicken legs. Yeah. <laughs> you have to soak the frog legs in milk for an hour to get rid of the frog taste. No, no, no. You have, have to do that. Right I don't. <laughs> I am not doing it. I just want to actually like rewind a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Can I? Yeah. The, so. Oh, you want to rewind. I well, was going to say I want to rewind. I want to rewind too because we've got, he said a whole bunch of awesome things things there and I yes. think I think we can explore in a lot of them. So I'm just going to jump in really quick on on the the student piece and how you you kind of hinted at the idea when you're at school you're not really working on people with actual conditions and mm-hmm. therefore you feel like it's a little bit of a barrier for when you start work. I actually mm-hmm. find that to be quite the reverse. I feel it's easier yeah. when you're working because you're actually seeing this real life scenario in front of you. So all of those signs and yeah. symptoms and presentations that you would have to kind of memorize as a, as a student student for whatever condition that you're looking at, well, these things are actually just presenting in front of you. So it's not like I got to do all this work and try to figure out, well, yeah. you know, what should I see if there's a plantar fasciitis? Or what you'll I, actually because see Because you're actually going to see well, it in I front guess of I should, you. I guess I should retract. What I kind of meant is like um, when you don't, like when, you, when you're still in school, it's hard to kind of see the dysfunction because it's not there. When yes. you get into the field, you can definitely, exactly. like when you do your ranges of motions, it stands out so much. Exactly. But like before, if you don't, like, because when you go to a spa, they train you a certain massage and that's your massage from beginning to end no assessments allowed you you have to do what they tell you to and you get paid like a base rate or whatever it is so when this person that i was my, the guy I went to school with when he went to this this clinic he didn't have the option he'd be talking to me and he'd be like i wish i could do assessments i really want to but right. i can't yeah so that would be the first piece that i would say so for any students that are listening and you're kind of fearful of that idea that oh man mm-hmm. You know, will I be able to figure this shit out when I'm out in the real world with people with real conditions? It's easier when the real condition is staring you in the face than when in a test, a 10 minute test, and it's all not real stuff, right? That's the first thing. And I think, Amanda, you wanted to explore the other ideas. There. Yeah, the other, one of the important things I think both of you brought up, Mark, talking about your previous student who never really found his place in the industry and Dryden, when you were saying, you know, you had your friend who after a year really like wasn't happy, it goes back to the point of that I was making of why I got into this field. This career is whatever you make it. And so yeah, that's what I was gonna yeah. I think one admissions people need to be very careful on actually selling people on into the program <laughs> because it's gonna look differently for everybody. Like yes. like you've alluded to, working in a spa is very different from working in a clinic, very different from working with yourself. You know, Mark and I can say fuck in front of our clients and it's probably acceptable. If I was working in a multidisciplinary clinic with a bunch of other professionals in white coats, would I say fuck? Yeah. Probably not. So probably not. The career is whatever you make it. And each person does have to take a little bit of responsibility and take a step back and understand who do I want to 
want to be as a therapist? What kind of clients do I want to see? What kind of business do I want to work in? And you have to create it yourself. You know, and there's it's not, cool if you don't know. Though, it's it's cool if you don't know, right? and that's when it's cool to bounce around and exactly. try a few different things. So, I mean, your previous student, he did that, and he discovered this really wasn't the career that he wanted. It's unfortunate that he got kind of sold into it. However, is it unfortunate? I don't know. He was a great student, like you said, he was valedictorian. Something positive must have come out of it, and even if it's just that now he knows that this field is not the one for him, then mm-hmm. all right, mm-hmm. all right, lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, but not not knowing and then going out and experimenting that is perfect. That's perfect. I, 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 did I, that. I say go for it. Do that. Go yeah. find whatever freaking floats your boat in in this industry. Yeah, and then if that means you also have to create something for yourself, that means you figure that out too. I mean, good, good on you. That's the best way to do it. If I can ask you a question, Mark. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I was saying when I want to kind of dig into a little bit with you is like when you started your practice or when you started um, practicing, how long did it take? Was it like right gung ho right out of uh, school where you were just, I'm going to be this type of therapist. I'm going to be like this. And, or did it take a while for you to kind of warm up to it and, and then kind of get to the point where you are now? Well, Mark's a little different because he was, he was already in. I was already in the industry. I was already doing rehabilitative work. I was already doing movement stuff because I was a kinesiologist before doing massage therapy. So massage Mm -hmm. therapy was really just kind of to add on to what I was already doing. So I kind of already established what I was like as a therapist. And to be honest with you, that that really hasn't changed all that much. I found what I what the type of therapist I was very early on, and it has kind of stayed consistent all throughout. I really haven't strayed much from that. Mm -hmm. Did anybody ever? fight you on it? Like, did you ever find any therapists that were like, you know, maybe you shouldn't be the way that you are? If that kind of makes sense? No, actually I didn't. So this is, this is another piece that I wanted to talk about based on the things that you said and working in different environments yeah. and then getting different feedback from other people and collaborating and all that stuff. I've worked in a handful of places. Like when I first started as a massage therapist, I opened a clinic straight off the gate with a, with a partner of mine who's a chiropractor. And in that scenario, it was just the two of us and then we actually hired another massage therapist. But that was a very collaborative scenario. Like we would talk to each other about patients we would talk about we would get we would ask each other their opinions on what to do here or what our ideas or what are we seeing or like we shared a lot of we collaborated a lot in that scenario. And then there's been other places where I've worked with brilliant therapists and a whole host of people in a multidisciplinary clinic, like chiropractors, physiotherapists, sport physiotherapists, naturopathic doctors, blah, 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 you name it, of, of all of the list of regulated healthcare professionals that do body work. I've worked with them in these different clinics. And we've had the places where I've never had any interaction with any of these people before. Like the last bigger place I worked at, no one collaborated. And it was really fucking strange right it wasn't like it was like no one was even open to the idea of collaborating it was more like this is what i do and i'm going to do it and this is what you do and you do it and you know we'll say hi to each other when we see each other and that's about it there was no there was no interplay at all so i think if you're looking for that you really have to kind of find that environment or maybe create Mm -hmm. that environment wherever you're at i don't know because i haven't had that a lot and then a lot of the other time i've been doing solo work but yeah there i know that there are places in the city that definitely do assessment based therapy um i just like i just feel like the norm almost in the city um one thing is like continued education so to get like other modalities i guess the goal Mm -hmm. um i find that a lot of like uh like cupping reiki uh like things like that um to get away from the massage 
part of things are, are really being utilized. I took I took a modified shiatsu course. Have you guys ever heard of that? Shiatsu, yeah. Yeah, it's like a modified one, so it's like on the table though, so okay, not yeah. on the ground. Yeah. yeah, and I took that, and I really like that for like the continued education that I took. And then I just thought, like, is it is it normal to kind of like in in Toronto because you guys are based in Toronto? Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of people there, though, right? I feel yeah. like oh. there's a lot of people I feel here. like a lot of therapists, when they come out, they kind of go gangbusters. And they're like, I want to learn this. I want to learn this. I want to learn this. And that's all part of finding what you like and then just being really, really interested in all parts of the field at the beginning. I, f- I feel like that happens yeah. a lot with newer therapists. When I say newer therapists, I'm talking zero through five years, right? The downside of that is I feel like those same therapists, zero to five years, are not taking the time to really hone in on the fundamentals that you learned in school, right? All that that great manual stuff that you learned in school, you know, you're not taking the time to develop that. You're not taking the time to explore that and then find your place in that type of work before you start jumping on to like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to add this and I'm going to add that. It's like you're adding all of these things on before you get to this kind of pinnacle, this peak of what you've already learned and how to master that. I don't know. Does that even make sense? there's so much at school. Yeah, but there's so much at school. Like I remember when I graduated, I was like, like when you're looking at the neck, right? Um, when I graduated, I was like, yeah, that's one thing I want to dive right back into because I know that that was one thing I struggled with when I was in class and I wanted to get the opportunity to really touch base on that. So whereas a lot of other students were selling their books or giving their books away as soon as they graduated, I'm Mm. keeping them. And now I want to start reading into them and really start diving into it because it's fun when you can do an assessment and you when you can find a problem, it's crazy. But the thing that bothers me the most is when I'm not 100% on the fact that I know every single dysfunction or assessment and I'm not 100% on every single muscle. I know I passed the college, right? There's a minimum that you have to get. And I did well in some classes and not so well in others. But when you pass, you pass, right? So you got to kind of take it upon yourself to say, okay, these are the things that I struggled with when I was in school. Those are the things that I want to reteach myself when I'm outside of school. And I just wish there was a lot more classes where uh, like I know I, I was talking to a lot of the, the first year students that graduated or that just graduated now. Um, but while they're in school in the second year, and I said, I just wish there was a class where I can come in and be like, yeah, I can just sit in and, and listen in on the parts that I really wish I could redo and maybe get some credits for that. Well, that's, I mean, that's why continuing education exists, right? In a profession yeah. like ours, there's so many things that you learn. There's so, I mean, I hate to say this, but I can't think of a better way to say it. But okay. what our instructors always said to us in school, I'm teaching you all the tools to have in your tool belt and you decide what to use. And there are so many, our scope of practice is enormous. There's so many things that we can use, so many manual techniques we learn. There's so many assessments that we learn. And you can definitely become complacent. So, I mean, it's great that in your first year, you're trying to, you know, hone in on these skills. And it really just, it does come with practice, though. The more mm-hmm. bodies you work on, you know, you'll come across something. And if you're not 100% sure of what it is that you're you're observing in somebody and whatever. But even, that's, even, on, even on the idea of like you're worried about, ooh, am I doing something right or am I doing something wrong? Or I don't think I know enough. I mean, realistically, no one fucking knows anything when it comes to this shit. You know what I mean? Like you'll have the same patient or client that is going to go see one physiotherapist and this physiotherapist is going to assess and say, this is what I think is going on here. And you'll have that exact same person presenting with the exact same stuff, go to another physiotherapist in the same location and they'll get a whole different fucking response, right? Yeah. And my, my thing is like, I have family members that are in like major pain and like they just, they don't even, if I can swear once, they don't even fuck with a massage therapist. 
if I could swear, like, like they just like, I like, and like, can I pause I you for a second, Dryden? Like, are you, are you actually asking permission to swear? Do you forget about the entire conversation we had before no, we said, introduced you? I said you? I wanted to take my opportunity to swear for the first time. I said, this is my opportunity. I want to say it because I'm passionate about it. Like, All right. like, they don't fuck with it. Like, they don't, they don't, she doesn't like, and I'll sit there and be like, well, mom, come over. I'll do an assessment. I have my table at home. I'll do an assessment. And I'll treat you. And then let's see if that works. And they go, no, I want to. And then it's to the doctors or a painkiller or, and like one thing is like chiropractors, there's definitely a place for chiropractors. My, my thing is, is if you don't add in a little bit of massage to kind of relax the tissue after you might just cause more pain afterwards too. Right. Well, the thing is when it comes to, there's a couple of things. One, it's yeah. not surprising that your mother is saying, you know, I want to go to a doctor, Part of it's a generational thing. I know there's people from my my parents' generation who are definitely all over what we, you know, we've somehow termed complementary or, or alternative therapies, even though some of them are very, very ancient. But anyway, besides the point, um, I know that my own parents are the same. I've been a massage therapist for over nine years. I'm married to a massage therapist, but they don't seek therapy. When they have any type of musculoskeletal problem, they go to their doctor and they'll get a referral for physio. That's just the way it is. I don't know that that's changing anytime soon. Um, all we can do as therapists is do really good work. And the more people that understand what we can do and what we what we do know how to do, the more people are going to be referred to massage and it, it will, yeah. you know, hopefully start to be looked at as more of a part of a health and wellness program, part of healthcare, and not just looked at, at this, you know, pampering luxury sort of service, which I think a yeah. lot of people do understand. And that's why I never feel the need to really defend the profession so much because I know my people know what I do, you know, and they see mm -hmm. the value in it. They know how important I am. All through COVID, I was getting text messages saying, you are essential, no, like come back to work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so and like me, I'm a massage therapist and I never get freaking massage therapy. I rarely get massage therapy. I'll quicker pop a pill or roll a joint or whatever the case is than, yeah. than, than yeah. go to somebody. But that's just me. I and literally offered yeah, him a massage last night. <laughs> what a, you know what a big part of it is? You know what a big part of it is for me, though? It, a big part, I know it's going to sound horrible because I'm a therapist and I do this, but a big part of me is the whole process. It's it's the, it's the I want, and I know it's it's not the best thing, I, but this is the way I fucking am. I want relief from something like now. So if I smoke a joint, it's going to make me feel better now. If I take this fucking pill, it's going to make me feel better now. I don't want to feel better tomorrow morning. I don't want to come back. And, and, and I'm going to feel awesome after a treatment plan. I want to feel something right now. That's for me. And that's kind of why I don't do the whole therapy thing. So I would quicker have those quick bouts of let's put the bandaid on, let's put the bandaid on, let's put the bandaid on because I'm okay with that and not deal with the actual issue. <laughs> but I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. And I kind of understand your your mother. And plus, if I was yeah. your mom, I don't yeah. want you touching my legs either. <laughs> yeah, no, he didn't so say she had to. Like, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it sucks when you see them in pain and you've seen kind of what they've been doing um, and it not working. It sucks. Well, it's, that's the thing. If what they're doing is not working, then that's a whole yeah. other story. But when I pop right, a what's pill... What's the definition of insanity, right? Just <laughs> keep on trying the same thing and then say it's not working and then go try something and it doesn't work and then yeah. be like, whoa. Yeah, and that's the difference because when I pop a pill or, or, or smoke a joint or whatever the case is, like it's working for me. Like I consider that I to be I need a massage so bad right now. I can tell you that. Can't help you. Yeah, We're we all the way here in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, no, we both need a massage. Yeah, that's for sure. So, okay, I've 
totally like spaced out for a second there as you guys were talking about popping pills and getting massage. But I mean, like <laughs> I, I was saying, it's not it's not surprising that people's first response is to go, you know, to go to their medical doctor. But I mean, I think at some point, if and when your mom ever decides to trust you to give her treatment, all it takes usually, and I'm sure you've experienced this now that you've been out in the field for a year, once a person has actually had a treatment with you, had an assessment with you, and they they see what your purpose is and what you're doing for them, then as long as what you're Game doing, changer. yeah, as long as you believe in what you're doing and you're not trying to sell them anything, you know, as long as you're genuine in your approach, they're always going to come back. Like I said, my people know what I do. And so, you know, when I hear a lot of, and I understand why the therapists, you know, get upset this way. And, you know, when um, they're not viewed at as healthcare professionals, I understand why people get a little bit upset about well, that, not. I guess. Tell me like, why. Like, I would say, go, go to the doctors first. And then if, like, you know, if you want to try something, if that's not working then come like i'm not a doctor and i don't you know tell me why people get upset like why like you say you understand why so explain to me what your understanding is i think well i think one it is an ego thing um i think that because of the amount of education that therapists at least here in ontario the amount of education they have Mm -hmm. and they feel that their knowledge base is very much on par with some of the other practitioners like let's say physiotherapists for example you know they can speak the same language and a lot of their the scope is over overlapping, then I think it bothers some therapists when somebody will say like, no, no, this is a a concern for a physio, not for you. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's an ego thing. They don't like being told that that an ego thing. Yeah. They don't like being told that, you know, they can't do what the physio can do. Whereas what I was saying is it doesn't bother me because the people that matter, my clients, they know what I can do. So I don't need to prove to a medical doctor or my mother or the premier Mm -hmm. or the minister of health what I can do because the people that matter are, they know what I can do. And yeah, sure. Would it be nice if the general public like understood us a little bit more? Yeah. Okay. Maybe, but I'm not going to get upset about it. And that's a generational gap. Like eventually... And the, the opinion might change. Does the general public's opinion on what we do, how we do it, and what we know, isn't that based on their experience with therapists then? No, not all the time. I, some of it probably. And as Dryden was saying, if you have only ever been exposed to, you know, like a spa environment, well, yeah, for that's example, what I mean. then yeah. But a lot of it is from what you see, let's say, on TV. People get a lot of what they know about things on TV. Okay. We always reference but friends. Then, but you then, look at you look at Phoebe Buffay, who's a massage therapist on Friends, yes. and you think that's a massage therapist. Okay. You know, a little bit flighty yes. and candles and okay. aromatherapy. Then, see, and, then this is the problem. But then when you show up to a massage therapist and, oh my gosh, they didn't do assessments. Oh my gosh, you are kind of flighty. Oh my gosh, there well, is exactly. aromatherapy. This is a spa. Then it just it yeah, just then reinforces it. Yeah. what I already thought. So then that general public, are they are they wrong? When I went to the SGI with the owner of the clinic I ended up working at, it, it, it dawned on me after I graduated that she didn't do any assessments. No, I'm not trying to throw her under the bus, but it is what it is, right? Like she didn't do any assessments, she didn't check on anything. And when I started like for her afterwards, she probably thought about it because the things that she did was there were basic relaxation massage on my back 10 times. That's basically what happened. And I thought more should have been on like, when I think about the dysfunction, it should have been something else, right? But so to have like reinforcement, like I said, reinforcement that that's not the way that it's done. I, I feel like 
maybe my personal opinion, that's what I've been running into. But I thought about it when you said it. My opinion is based on what I've seen. So like when I went into a massage before, a massage therapist, you know, you're nervous, you're going onto a table, you're getting naked, you're, you know what I mean? And you don't want to ask any questions, do whatever they say, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then you get off the table and hope that they did some magic. Like I tell my friends, did you do any assessments? They go, no. I said, so the, the, the massage therapist read your mind. And then did some magic on you without without doing anything and not knowing where to treat. Just touch some random parts on your body, and the specific pain that you had is gone. And like, no, it's still there. I was like, well, why did you go then? You know what I mean? Like, why did you go to the massage if they just like? Because if you wanted to go to a spa, go to a spa. Like, I get it. There's a place for relaxation. I love hot stone massage. I love it. It's the best, right? But when I'm in pain. Uh, I, I, I want to go there. I want to know that they know what they're talking about. I want to know that I'm going to get fixed. I want to know that I have a treatment plan afterwards to take the pain away because the ease of mind is one of the biggest things. If somebody comes in and they're so tired from not sleeping because they have a dysfunction, when they leave, they want to know that this is going to get better. Then they can sleep at night. You know what I mean? You know, it's the beautiful thing about massage therapy. Sometimes as the therapist, you can just get the person on the table and use mm-hmm. your own knowledge of the body and your palpation skills and your quote magical hands. And even if mm-hmm. you didn't necessarily perform any specific assessments or didn't necessarily do any specific treatment, that client is going to feel better. I mean, it's just the nature of what yeah. we do and they our nervous system better, yeah. and they're, you know, they're going to mm-hmm. get some benefit out of it. So yeah. that's, that's the other great thing about what we do is even if, if you didn't necessarily do the most effective treatment in that session, you probably did something. And even if it was just affecting the nervous system to calm it down a little bit, to give them some relief, and you had mentioned peace of mind. Sometimes even just knowing that they went for the therapy and they get off the table, they're like, yeah, you know, I do feel a little bit better. It might not have been, again, the most effective, but, and I'm not in any way saying don't do assessments and don't actually try to cater treatments and create treatment plans, because of course I don't believe that. But that is, again, another very big positive of what we do is even if you're not the best therapist in the world Mm. somebody thinks you are somebody has come to you gotten a massage and was like that was fucking incredible and they will come back and they will swear to all of their friends and family that you are magical and you have magic hands and you made them feel better and there you go you have a business do you think that every therapist should be doing assessments like every massage are you asking me or dryden i'm asking anyone who will answer i'll let dryden answer that first i think that there's a place for both i made a video of this on youtube Mm -hmm. um i think there's a place for both i think that that's why I think uh, one thing I was going to talk about was school. Like just because we're not medical practitioners and because we have to be taught, you know, like everything just to make sure uh, there's no place for the people that do just want to do spa treatment. So if there was like a different school that just taught, um, like if we ever got regulated one year or anything like that, you could have, you know, the relaxation body works massage school where you go and you learn that. And there's a place for that because like I said, hot stone, it changed my life. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's relaxing. If you're stressed, that's going to work. Right. Um, but there's also a place for assessment based. And I think that when you, when you walk into your clinic, it should kind of say what it is. If it's really relaxing and you go in there and it's that kind of spa environment, then don't do assessments. But if you walk into like a clinic based, um, uh, treatment place and it's kind of like that's what they kind of cater towards mm-hmm. then it's almost expected because that person's going there like you don't go to the doctor's 
Uh, you don't go to the dentist for do- doctor work, and you yeah. don't go to the doctor for dentist work. But there's a place for both. Create yeah. the expectation. I just wish it was separated. I just wish it was separated, right? Because I like the one thing with me is I I I, I respected every single therapist at the place that I worked. They did an amazing job. Their clientele list was full. I learned a lot from them and their own techniques that they did. So I guess I should say that now. By no means was I saying that they're not good at their what they do. I, it just wasn't what I did. And it was different. And because of that, it clashed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I agree with what what Mark was just saying. I mean, he was just summarizing what you said is creating an expectation. Create the expectation and mm-hmm. keep that expectation. Yeah. That's kind of mm-hmm. business one-on-one. You know, I, I don't even think there necessarily needs to be two separate massage therapy Absolutely programs. Not. I think every therapist, anyone doing body work should have a very good working knowledge of the body and understand physiology and understand. Um, it's just, you know, as we were learning in our free education day last week, two presenters talked about assessing things that are actually outside of our scope. Chris and Connor both touched on this. Mm -hmm. And I agree that you should be able to assess something, even if the treatment for it is outside of your scope. Because if you're going to be working with somebody's body, you need to understand everything about it. So spa therapists, I do think they need to understand everything. Um, But if they choose that they want to work in the wellness and relaxation realm and they don't want to perform assessments, that's fine. As long as they have the knowledge to be able to know the basics when it comes to anatomy and physiology and, you know, recognize contraindications, then fine. Then you know, if you want to be the assessment-based therapist, you want to work in a more clinical setting, then you do that. But as you said, just make sure that you are working in a place that matches your style of therapy. Mm-hmm. Don't go where we've we had someone on who told a story about they going went to a chiropractic to, clinic. Right. They went to a chiropractic clinic to get treatment and the massage therapist said to her, I don't do, I don't do assessments. I only do relaxation massage. Well what the fuck are you doing working what are you in a doing there? clinic? Yeah. yeah you're in you, the wrong yeah. place. The expectation wasn't yeah. met. So I don't think the education needs to be different I don't because think so I think I think every therapist needs it's, to understand. It's, it's like if I'm a I'm an auto tech, right? I I'm an auto technician and I decide I'm going to just only do oil changes. Nothing's wrong with that. It doesn't change my my knowledge on how to do brakes or, or build a rad or whatever right. the case is. I'm just deciding that, you know what, I'm going to fucking work at oil changers and I'm going to do nothing but change oil all day long. It's up to you. That's the one thing that really drew me into. And I guess with the teacher to go back on that when he told me, it's, it's what you do, right? And how hard you want to work and the type of uh, career that you want to have, you get to choose, mm-hmm. but then you got to you have to do all the work, right? And I'm finding that out right now. You have to do all the work from the bottom up, right? When you look at a clinic and you go, oh, I could have, I could do this. You can run this. I could do this, right? Yeah. And then when you actually get into it, and you're like, holy, this is one field. You got to get into it. There's just so there's so many avenues mm-hmm. to go down. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. There's so many. F- I guess freaking with, places with that to talk about funding and stuff like that. Um, have you guys ever heard about funding for? to to go to school or, or anything like that? Well, I used to work as an admissions representative at a college. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there, there were different programs that were available. So like the second career program was really huge when I worked there for um, people who had been laid off. And Does that were, still exist? I don't know. It's possible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a yeah. government program here where if you had lost your job, um, the government would actually fund you to go back to school. You had to put a lot of work and a lot of research. Lot of unless, and, you're Jessica unless you're from, Jessica. Unless you're Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> We had a guest on the un- the last unprofessional hour that we had, and she she went through second career, and she's like, yeah, uh, that whole uh, you know that whole process that you had to go through, I kind of fast forward through that because I was just a little bit of an aggressive pain. That's essentially <laughs> what she made it sound like. <laughs> she just manhandled and strong armed someone into having her own way. So yeah. In my experience working in admissions, there was the second career program. I had um, I actually had a student. He was like 
I don't, what's it called? Like he was like a ward of the state. Like he he grew up in the system through okay. uh, like so Children's Aid yeah. Society, yeah. and then once yeah. he became of age, then um, he's I guess not. I don't know how to word this. He was, I'm owned, really, he was owned by the state until he turned eighteen. Until he turned eighteen. He so right. then, but then when he was, I think he was either eighteen or nineteen when he came to see me. But somehow, because he grew up in the system, he was able to get funding that way through them or some help or something anyway, because he he didn't have family. Um, so that was one thing that I had seen. I did have somebody who was Indigenous and she was able to get funding. And I don't remember the name of the organization that she went through, but I helped her uh, do that as well. So yeah, there's different funding options available. It's it, different grants. You just have to look into it. Do I know all of them? No, Probably I'm no not, longer yeah. in that world. <laughs> yeah, I got funded by... Um... Gabriel Dumont Institution, and it's a Métis institution in Regina. And uh, they actually paid my full tuition. They paid for all my books, all my supplies, and they gave me uh, a monthly wage to help with my mortgage and everything like that while I was going to school. Nice. And then afterwards, gave me a bonus. You just you have to maintain a certain uh, amount. And mm-hmm. I guess the reason why I want to talk about that is just like the the opportunities that are out there for anybody that's looking for a career path. Massage therapy is a great career path and there's a lot of opportunities for funding. Um, so that might be something that you want to look into. Afterwards too, like right now I'm through the Gables of Mont, I'm doing a, they have a business plan that they're going to fund as well as your, they fund your first six months of operational costs. There's a lot of stuff out there. It's crazy. But when I when I took that, I think one of the reasons why I took massage therapy so seriously, and for anybody that's thinking about t- doing it, you have to maintain a certain average, and you can't miss a single day of school. And if mm-hmm. you do, you have to have a doctor's note. So, And when you go to school and you see other people that are going into debt, I know one lady, she's almost $60,000 in, in debt by the time she finished. When you see them going into this kind of debt for school, it makes you appreciate the, the chance that you had. And I worked so hard just because of that, right? Not to say that I'm not in major debt in school anyway. Was the grant that you applied for and that you got, did you know that existed first? Like, the, or no. is this, or is it something that you had to go hunt down and search for different? Yeah. yeah. So anybody that's doing anything, like there, any grants that are in the city, like if you are, here's an example, if there's a grant for, and not to say go take advantage of this because it shouldn't, but if there's a grant for, say, a, 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 a pregnant woman that's struggling to go back to school and nobody applies for that grant as like a male, you could apply for that. And if nobody applies for it, you get that grant. That's crazy. So like, like I just went online, the government site, and you look for everything that you can and then try to find it because the government wants you to succeed. You just have to put in the work and the paperwork is crazy to get it started. Yeah, there's a lot of those types of grants floating around, like stuff that I didn't know existed. So we run a continuing education company and I've had mm-hmm. clinic owners call me up and say, I need this type of information from you because I'm applying for grants from the government to have my employees take your courses. And I was like, oh, cool. I never I never knew that these things existed. And this person's done it several times with us. I feel bad, though, because she got rejected for some of them because at the time <laughs> on our website our stuff was not listed as a course it might have been listed as a workshop yeah. or a seminar mm-hmm. and she's like mm, even though the content is course but because you have it listed as a workshop or a seminar it got rejected I was like uh, I didn't realize that. well even like like I, the benefits for me was I was made tea but like there's th- something in Regina called the square one program and that's for any entrepreneurs. It's it's for it's from the government. My fiance works for, in the Ministry of Economy, 
So she's actually the person that approves like any kind of uh, government grants to train employees as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says like there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars going out there. And, you know, you may not get it, but apply, especially for continued education. That's the thing, because I applied for that. And just to go to those courses, like my, my CPR, my first aid, they're going to pay for me to go in and to get to renew that. So like the, anything that you can to, to succeed. But like I would say, if you're going to use um, financial assistance, just work hard, you know, make it worth it. Like prove to everybody that it's worth that you, you got it for a reason, right? This is good information because even, I mean, for people not in Canada or not in Regina, not in Saskatchewan, wherever, wherever you are, there are things that exist. And the reason that people, more people don't know about all of these government programs and government grants is this is the kind of thing that can't be widely broadca- broadcasted because yeah. what would happen? Mm. Everybody would be taking advantage of it. Sure. Everybody like, would take it, yeah. Yeah, when we had small children, I learned about um, government programs that existed in my neighborhood, like free programs for moms and babies, moms and toddlers, you know, different play groups, different like um, there was, you know, sign language classes. There was like there was all of these different programs that I learned about. And so I, I had signed up for a whole bunch of things. Like since my kids were really small, we've been going to all of these different free programs like in our neighborhood. And I remember somebody saying to me, you know, how come I've never heard about any of this? Like, where do you find all this stuff? And I said, you know, it's actually not, it's not that easy to find. You do have to really search for it. And I, and I thought about it in that moment and I said, you know, I guess it makes sense. Like if this was widely available, these programs would have to shut down because everybody would want to do them. Right. So. Yeah. And if they don't finish them, like with the Gabriel Dumont Institution, when I went for the funding, um, if I didn't pass the course or if I stopped showing up the next year, they take that much funding away. So you have to like you need to put in the effort so that next year they they they, they kind of continue the the funding. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. it's like a, it's yeah. like an Ontario student loan. Yeah, right. What's that called? I don't know. I didn't OSAP. Have OSAP. Yeah. Yeah, paying back student loans. Well. <laughs> oh, I had student loans. I know. I did my undergraduate degree at um, at the University of Western Ontario, and I definitely came out of there with quite a large See, debt. <laughs> that's I think one reason why when I went to massage school, like I didn't have to jump through hoops to go to massage school because it wasn't like I had to apply for a student loan or anything. I kind of walked in there with a check and it's like okay well how much is it going to cost if i pay for half of it right now and they're like okay cool it's going to cost this much and i just wrote the check they're like okay you can start in february <laughs> do you know what i mean it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a big thing about you got to do this you got to do that i just rolled you in didn't have like, to apply you, you walked in with i money. walked in with money and they're like sure. so you too you too are you are you you happy i get happier and happier as i keep doing this because yeah. i'm i'm all but i'm also always reinventing what i'm doing so i'm always adding something into whatever is going on so I was a therapist in, and I had my own clinic. Cool. And then I started teaching at a college and that was cool. So there's that experience of teaching that comes along with it. Yeah. And then it's like, well, let's start an education company. Okay, cool. And, and I'm just adding on to all the things that I was already doing. Okay, well, let's, let's start a podcast. Cool. So yeah, every day that goes by, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy with, with the career. I don't know if, if I'll ever get bored of it. I think there's too many things that you can do mm-hmm. that you can't, I can't get bored doing because for me, it's not always just about treating a patient or a client. There's so many other parts yeah. of this. There's so many other things. That's when massage therapy is. And, and I guess, cause my fiance was talking to me about this for me, it was, I'm not going to be happy until I finish school. I'm not going to be happy until I get a full clientele. I'm not going to be happy until I get my own clinic. And then only now where I'm starting, like with COVID, you had to learn patience, right? So only now with my patients, I'm, I'm starting to learn, enjoy where you are right now because 
when I look back, I really wanted to pass school. I really wanted to be finished. I wanted to have a career in massage therapy. I wanted to be a registered massage therapist. And, and then now looking at it, like the thing that I'm striving for is to, you know, have my own clinic and, and to, or to be home practice. And then after home practice, and then after that, I'll start looking at, uh, getting another clinic and then maybe a second one and things like that. But like when you were, say teaching at the school mm -hmm. which is super cool by the way because that's that, that's the way you continue education is by teaching at a school so that's a good thing to do um but when you're teaching at the school were you like yeah this is what i'm happy about or were you like i can't wait till i open my clinic so for me teaching i enjoy teaching a lot so it was great for yeah. me because i hadn't done it formally and then i had the opportunity to do it now I like the job and I like doing the work and I enjoy the process. I just didn't, after a while, like the place that I was doing it at and that became mm -hmm. a problem for me. So it was the environment, mm -hmm. not the work. Yeah. What I'll suggest for you and you know, take it, leave it, do whatever because I'm an idiot, but if we substitute out the idea of I'm happy or I'm not happy with the idea of I'm enjoying the process, I'm not yeah. where I want to fully be, but the journey along the way, I'm completely satisfied with the journey. The end result of where I want to be, yes, I know I'm 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 years away from that, whether it's money or the, the clientele base or whatever the case. I'm 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 working towards it, but I'm enjoying the process along the way. Which means I also enjoy when I do things and it works out really well, but I also enjoy yeah. when things fuck up and it looks like yeah. this has just gone to shit. Like Amanda always stares at me when I, when I'm angry in those moments and I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like I'm angry right now because this, whatever's not working out, but I enjoy being angry in this moment because it's all part of the journey. The it's all part of the process. And I love the process. Even if I'm banging on my table and I'm throwing things across the room because shit ain't working out in that moment. I only care when I end up in the line of fire. <laughs> <laughs> what I did, Mark, was I, I actually, I'm, I'm video recording and posting. So I have all my social medias linked to my website that I'm creating. So YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, uh, Facebook, all of those are all linked. And then I've been recording and posting every process that I've been doing with starting the business. So the construction phases, everything like that. That's cool. And then looking back on it, it's like, yeah, Mark V, he said, document everything, right? Yeah. Um, or sorry, uh, Gary V. I just called you Gary. Good job. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but like the process, I remember like when I, I, I couldn't sleep for like a week when I was waiting for my first inspection. I've never had an inspection before. I didn't know if it was going to be really strict or what the process was. But after he passed it, I was like, I don't know why I stressed that bad, but I'm really happy that I know now the process of going through your first inspection. And, and that's something that I have under my belt. So I would say, I agree. The, the process is the biggest thing. And that's why like with COVID you've had to, uh, I've learned to enjoy the process. Well, you're a dad, right? Like, you know how fast, you know how fast everything goes, right? And goes Mark's, so Mark's advice of enjoying the process, I couldn't agree with more. Like, do you set goals for yourself, Dryden? Like, do you actually write out goals? Do you ever, yes. do you, okay. I bought, I bought like a $350 uh, glass whiteboard and put it in my living room. That's perfect. Because the thing is, yeah. you can simultaneously know that you're not where you want to be 
but enjoy being there. You have to have goals. You have to have a place that you're going. You have to have something you want. Otherwise, you're stagnant. And that's when people can really get into a rut. But you can still enjoy where you are because you know where you're going. And each time you hit, as Mark said, you hit a small victory, then you're like, fuck yeah. And you know what? Every time everything goes wrong and you're banging on your desk and you want to throw shit out the window and you haven't slept for a week, when you get over that, then you're like, fuck yeah. Like it's just, yeah, yeah, you have to enjoy the whole process. And, you know, Mark made that comment, how I stare at him when he gets angry. It's not that I don't understand that. I understand frustration. I understand it completely. But it's, I think it's part of my job too, because we, we are very, very, we're very different in the way that we work, but I think the balance works out very well. So when he gets to the point of where I feel like his anger is outward, like I can, I can see frustration, but like, you know, when he starts banging on yeah. things or, um, yeah. I, I always tell him when you start snapping at me, that's when I'm stepping in because you're, you're, I'm yeah, on your team. Your yeah. I'm like, I'm on your team. You snap at me, then I'm going to say something. Mark, but, come on, man. But this is just, it is like, I know he's enjoying the process. So it's every once in a while I like to remind him this is part of the shit because he always says, you know, when you own your own business, especially when you're starting out, you got to eat shit. Like it, it sometimes yeah. it, you just got to do so much. You work so hard and you're pouring everything into it. And sometimes it feels like fucking relentless. But then so when he gets like that, I have to remind him like next week. We can look back at this day and be like, remember how much yeah. that fucking sucked? Remember how hard that was? And it's not that I I don't know what's happening, but I think part of my job is to be like, hey, remember, you like this. And uh, but then, yeah, mm-hmm. he likes to tell me, like, I'm not I'm not angry. I'm like, then why are you yelling? You remind at me? me of my fiance. Oh, my God. See, that's she's always that's yeah, she's always bringing me back. Right. And I guess one thing I'll say to anybody that's listening therapists out there to enjoy the process. There's no end. Right. Like, cause I, I always try to tell myself I'm going to be happy at the end of this. Right. Yeah. But there's never an end. I'm it's, it's so always a new goal. glad you, you reach said the goal, that there's a new goal and there's no end. So how, if you're always waiting till the end, you're never going to be happy. Enjoy yep. the process, yep. love where you are and learn as much as you can. And, share with people like talking to you guys i feel so good after talking to you guys i feel really good it's it's uh to it's okay. share you call me a guy i'm okay with it with <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to share my experience we enjoy yeah. talking to people who have something to talk about because i mean as cheesy as it sounds it's true you can learn something from anyone yeah, and i mean everything you're saying is stuff that we teach you know goal setting and enjoying the process and i'm so glad that you said the words the way that you said them when you said i'll be happy when that is the worst thing a person can do to themselves because as you said it's never ending there's always a destination there's always something more you want nobody's ever satisfied you never get to a point in your life where you're like i have everything i ever want and i just want to stay right here i don't think that exists i think no. maybe at the very end of your life but it's it's meant to be your life is meant to be lived there's always going to be something there's always going to be challenges so you have to enjoy each each and when I say you have to enjoy, you don't have to be fucking happy all the time. You have to feel your emotions. No, sometimes you're gonna you're be happy fucking all the time, miserable. If you're happy all the yeah. time, you're probably crazy. You know, uh, <laughs> I do I do think that there there are different types of people, and I think that you can be someone who is not overly ambitious, and nothing's wrong with that. Like you're a little bit more simple in the way you go and yeah. go about your life and do things, and therefore you can find happiness without kind of that that progression. The way we're talking about progression right now, I, I wasn't necessarily meaning progression yeah. in like career or anything yeah, yeah, yeah. tangible. It's just you're always moving forward in life, and so like I've heard people say, you know, I'll be happy when I meet somebody. I'll be happy when I mm-hmm. get married. I'll be happy when I have children. 
I'll be happy I'll when, be happy I when I go out of this neighborhood. When you're waiting for that external thing to exactly. make you happy, then you can, there's there's no such thing as external happiness. You just have to be happy in yourself. And now I'm sounding like a fucking Hallmark but card. It's but it's so you know true I mean. because so when true. you see people that have everything, Jim Carrey, and you go a complete fucking 180, it's like you had everything. You have everything, and you're there, and you're like, I don't have everything. Mm-hmm. I thought I would have everything. I thought this would bring happiness, and you know what? It fucking don't. You can't look for it on that external. And I think with massage therapy, to go back to it, like um, I don't know how much you guys practice, but when I was talking to the school, they said like if you can find a comfortable living in you know sixty seventy five thousand dollars a year, something like that, you can work twenty hours a week, and then you have time to maybe find something else that. Um, to kind of find yourself even and to explore other options or avenues if you wanted and still make a good wage because massage therapists make good money. You can. Mm-hmm. There are massage therapists that don't make good money. And I think yeah. that's got yeah, a lot to do with, that's got a lot to do with the, the, the work ethic. Um, not mm-hmm. wanting to see a whole bunch of people or not wanting to work, saving my body and my hands for, I don't know what, right? So what are you saving for? Yeah. If yeah. I'm going to end up with a lifetime of 50,000 massage therapy treatments, why not do it all at the beginning and screw off the rest of the time? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, what are you saving yourself for to keep doing three days a week of of how of part time work? Well, let me do fucking five years of full time work and then just walk away. I'd be in a I'm in a much quicker spot <laughs> to get exactly. to the end goal. Then you like, get all that time. It, it always baffles me. What are you saving your body for? Like, what's the well, saving to allow like, you to work longer? Like, you're a massage therapist. <laughs> you over anybody. You know how to take care of your body. You should. Yeah. You know you what I mean? Be. Like, you know how, you should. Yeah. You know how to take care of your body. Like, I try as much as I can, but like. Like you said, like, I need to do more you, ranges. You, you did construction. Probably. You know which one has got way oh. more physical work going on to it. So anyone that's like, you know, I need to I need to save myself. I don't want to injure myself. Fuck, there's people that do construction and make a lifetime of it, right? They make a living out of it doing decades and decades of construction work, which is way more physical. So it's possible. Well, even office workers. How many times do you get an office worker coming in and they're like carpal tunnel and like, you know, by like back pains and neck pains. And, and they're like, and you're telling me that I, I chose the wrong career. <laughs> you know, but it's it's all different, right? But yeah, exactly, exactly. I see what you're saying, and there's there's longevity in massage therapy if you if you do it right. Yeah, you can you can do anything you want in this career. You want to make a lot of money, you can make a lot you of money. You want anything. you want to make very little money and work very little, you can do that too. You you missed it because you were talking. He was singing. What are we singing now? I don't know. I heard him you sing. Can do anything you want if you <laughs> RMT. If you're an RMT. Oh, my I feel so bad. Uh, my brother, I can hear the, Don't the drywall Don't drill going down. He is going to finish that whole basement for me, and I'm so excited. You know what you're going to give him a massage. I tripled the size of my room. My, my room, I tripled the size, so I have room for assessments. I got uh, a desk there with a sitting up, um, uh, like a standalone, so you can do them se- uh, seated onto it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have a glass whiteboard with a TV with an iPad so I can use essential anatomy, maybe show them some 3D images. Uh, and then with the glass whiteboard to be able to write down, you know, what I've been treating and then they can take a picture with that if they want to go home. With See, I like your assessment. And then I have the charts up. So I have the charts like the muscular, mus- uh, muscles, nerves, and uh, uh, blood. So artery and venous flow uh, things up because I find that really helps. So I like everything you're doing and I like how you're documenting all of this. That way you're already establishing what your brand is. You're already mm-hmm. creating the awareness. You're yeah. already creating the expectation. It's gold. You're doing everything sweet. I totally 
totally dig it. I totally dig it. And what I suggest you do, even when we get off this phone call, just don't tell your brother that you finished the podcast. Just stay upstairs <laughs> and let him finish the whole fucking thing. I'll say, you know what, man? I'm going to eat these frog legs. You don't fucking talk, right? <laughs> I'm going to eat these frog legs. You're going to do my... Yeah. I have you, to ask, wait are, there, he comes are there upstairs. Meat, like, is there a lot of meat on frog legs? How big it can a frog like leg be? It's gross. Like, you, it's like they cut off the half, bottom half, and it's just like you just see the frog butt. Like the two butt cheeks, it's mostly butt cheek, right? And then you have to like put them, you you put them inside the milk for like an hour. The way he told me was this, and I used to be a vegetarian too, so think about that. Um, He said it with my fiance, and he said like, "Would you ever eat frog legs?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, well, I'm going to go buy some. And I said, okay, well, you're going to get them now. And he goes, yeah. I, said, I never said I'd enjoy them, but this is also <laughs> the same person that convinced me to go skydiving. Listen. Too. So if, if you have somebody in your life that pushes you past your limits, to keep that person close to you because that's how you live. Let's, let's analyze this a little bit, okay? Mm-hmm. We're not of this world. We're aliens. And we watch, we watch humans eat chicken wings. Well, what the fuck is the difference between a chicken wing and a fucking frog leg at this point? I right? rationally, I understand what, what you're saying. What is the fucking difference? I like understand. you don't have to soak chicken wings inside milk for an hour. I'll let you know. I'll so post how it. much I'll meat is on a fucking picture. chicken wing? It looks pretty meaty. It looks like a chicken wing. It looks like a exactly. Chicken wing. So, so we'll why not? They said it tastes like chicken. Okay, you enjoy your frog legs. <laughs> That's the one thing I don't want a picture of. (laughs) I've never had frog frog legs. legs. Wait, I'm going to edit that. I don't want pictures uh, for anyone listening. I don't want pictures of frog legs, nor do I want dick pics. For anyone listening, (laughs) I don't accept those. I don't want them. Don't send them. I'm not really big on eating anything that that lives in water. You don't like you don't like seafood. Uh, I'm not a big fan of anything that's in water like that. Like, I mean, I enjoy lobster and crab every once in a while, but I'm not crazy about it. I'm not crazy about fish. I'm not crazy about you know anything that's like i think i like land animals i think got I'm, it yeah you got four legs and the vegans you... have tuned out by the way oh yeah, <laughs> yeah they and, I, and i and i love tofu no fuck oh my brother's leaving thank you daniel <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm out of here i'm gonna this go look downstairs see if we're done yeah i feel really bad about that let's see i'll let you know if we're done or not i don't know i can't i got i like meat too much and you have so, the right to eat it. Yeah. Are you letting us know if the clinic's done? He didn't do as much as I thought he would. <laughs> not bad, not bad. You're, you're upstairs yapping on the fucking phone, and he's like, "Jesus, I'm just gonna." Should have worked a little bit harder, but like it's hard because he had to do it all himself. Yeah. Well, with that note, uh, is yep. there anything else that you wanted to talk about? I think we covered the basis of you know That's what you had what originally yeah. written to us about, but is there anything mm-hmm. else that you want to talk about before we let you go tonight? Uh, if you uh, had any last tips for someone that's going to be on the first year of starting their own business. Well, first I would like to commend you on um, totally interviewing us versus us interviewing you. I see what you did there. (laughs) I like it. Um, Tips for people starting a business. Well, I think you've brought them all up. One, you've got to set goals. You've got to know like, who you are as a business. Mark always likes to say, don't view yourself as a therapist. You're an organization slash business right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Know mm-hmm. who who that what that business is, you know, what kind of clients they're gonna be catering to. Know what image that you want to portray to the world mm-hmm. because then you're gonna attract the type of yes. clients that you want to work with. And you're only gonna be happy in this career if you get to create the the environment and the the practice that exactly. you want. So don't go out there trying to please everybody. As we taught you right at the beginning of this episode, there's gonna be people that don't like what you do. You know, people don't like that I say fuck. And you know what? To those people that don't like that I say fuck, as Mark said, tune out because there's nine other people that are like, yeah, girl, and they're fist pumping with me. So 
you know, know who you are, be very true to what you do, and continue to improve on the skills that make sense for your practice. So for example, you now, and now that I know that you want to be this very assessment-based practitioner and you've, you know, you've got your anatomy app ready to go to show your clients, if you were to tell me, I'm going to go take a course in like aromatherapy, not that it's not, it's not good or it's not interesting, but I would have some questions. What does that do for your clientele? You know, just mm-hmm. making sure that yeah. you're, you're creating the expectation and delivering on that expectation. Yeah, and this doesn't have to be a new therapist. This can be a therapist that's Anyone. looking to pivot or yeah. do something different in their business. So, like Amanda said, you're no longer you're not a therapist once you start to do this. When you start to go and, and and do this for yourself, you're an organization, you're a company. And if you keep thinking about yourself like a therapist that sees patients and clients, you're not going to grow. You, you yeah. can't grow. It's impossible. No, you have to work on your business. Exactly. Yeah. You have to think of yourself as Find a business. Like-minded and therapist you do it exactly. The other piece is we always, we always, as Amanda suggested, we're saying you got to figure out you. In other words, but not just figure out you in your head. I want you to figure out you and commit to paper on this. I want you to come up with a mission statement. Mm -hmm. And that mission statement, like every solid organization, has a mission statement. Because that mission statement speaks about what your core values are as an organization. They identify what you do, why you do it, why anyone should even give a fuck about what you do. They, They define who your customers or who your tribe and who your people are. Once you have that piece in place and you're very satisfied, you're, you're thrilled about what you have here. In other words, I've, I've, I've found a way to articulate everything about my business into this mission statement. Now, every business decision you make, you bounce it off your mission statement because your yeah. mission statement is now a declaration of your core values. So if you're going to do something that doesn't match with your mission statement, then that's it's not a place in your business, right? You want to do so, you have got a marketing idea. Well, does it match with my mission statement? No, it doesn't. Guess what? This marketing idea goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got this marketing idea. It fits beautifully with my mission statement. Then I'm gold. I'm, I'm ready to go gangbusters on it. So that mission statement is huge. That is all part of developing your brand, right? And if you haven't thought about a brand, you have one. I don't care whether you've created one for yourself or you haven't. The bottom line is what your clients think about you and what they say about you, what your colleagues think and say about you. These are things that are your brand. And if you haven't put it there by intent, it's there by accident. And if your Mm -hmm. brand that you want to have intentionally put out into the world doesn't match this unintentional brand that's been given to you by these other people, what they say and think about you, if there's a mismatch there, you have some serious work to go correct that and once you get all that stuff established everything else kind of falls into place relatively easy can i add one thing onto that if you're listening to this and you are a new therapist and this is overwhelming the shit out of you then go back to mark's (laughs) original advice way back you know rewind somewhere and go play the field a little bit Get jobs in a whole bunch of different environments to figure out who you are. You might not know what your brand is, as he said, but you do have one. And by working with different populations and by working in different environments, you're going to start to really figure out who you gel with, what type of clients you like to work with, what type of clients are attracted to you, and then you can build off of that. So if you come out of school and you are not ready to just jump in and start your own clinic, that's okay. Figure out who you are. Like I said, that's exactly what I did. I worked at a few different places and everyone used to say, to me, aren't you, isn't your husband a massage therapist? Why don't you guys start a business together? And him and I were both on the same page. Like, 
no, we're not there yet. I had to figure out who I was, what I wanted to do. He was figuring out his style and the teaching. Were, and eventually, yeah, we came together and we worked together, but we didn't just jump into doing that because we both had the same same career. It didn't make sense yeah. at the beginning. Because mm-hmm. then you would just be mimicking. Yeah, and I don't want to be like him. Or or, or <laughs> just wouldn't work out. It wouldn't mesh well. And then exactly. it would just be a business venture that just went belly up and, and, and faded south. Yeah, we both had to be in the same space and at the same time. But and, yeah, if if you are thinking about doing something on your own, like, I mean, if you're going to go work at Massage Act, then none of this fucking matters, right? Not but we're it. talking about a therapist that wants something, I won't even say more, that want something different and they want the independence and they want to work for themselves and they truly are an entrepreneur, then that's a whole other story. Then you got to get into entrepreneur mindset, not therapist mindset. You want to be a therapist and stay in therapist mindset, you're probably better off working for other people and mm-hmm. that, that that other person or that organization, let them take care of all the business crap and you show up and be the therapist. But if you are that entrepreneur and you happen to be a therapist, well, guess what? You wear that entrepreneur hat way more and you should be wearing it more yeah. and you should be happy to wear that more because that's what you are, man. I like that. Yeah, my my motto would be because when I when I thought about it, it'd be breaking down barriers and um, creating real client therapist communication in a modern way. I, I like guess, it. Right? I like yeah. it. I you think you're really on the right path. I'm glad you reached out to us. And as I said, I, I see what you did there. You really. Uh, you know, tricked me into wanting to be at an episode just so you could get some advice from us. But I like it because that we could have is, just done this on the phone. I don't, but the you know what? <laughs> this is so perfect I'm that we recorded this. Saying. Like entrepreneurs, look at this. Look at this guy. He's like, I have a problem in front of me. I need some advice. I want to ask these two. What do I do? Hey guys, could I be on an episode? <laughs> no, it's, it's, well, that is, that I is, appreciate all the time you took too, and uh, and, and all the work that got done while I was. That's talking. one of the biggest things you can do if you want. If you want something, you just fucking go out there and you do everything that you can it, to make it. it happen, right? Well, you could have said no, right? Exactly. Said, and mm, no, I'm so happy that you did this too because it's like so many people just kind of sit down on their ass and they're like, "Well, I kind of tried." Well. No, you didn't fucking try, right? So, for example, you really want to get some answers for some of these questions. Well, we turn you down. Did you did you email fucking 30 other people this afternoon, right? That is trying. Not, I sent out two emails and I got two negative responses and I called it a day. Yeah. Absolutely not. You want to work with a sport team? Guess what you do? You fucking go email every player. You jump on their Twitter and you email every fucking person, right? You don't sit back and email one person and say, you know, I tried and no one got back to me, so I guess... I'm finished here. No, you don't want it bad enough. You go fucking make it happen. And you make, Gotta it, make happen. it happen. And I yeah. like that. It's like Jamie. We have a kinesiologist that that found me on LinkedIn. Her name is Jamie Glassman. She's awesome. She found me on LinkedIn and we just started talking on LinkedIn and then it exploded to like, hey, can I come? And we have like a meeting, just talk about work and different things about kinesiology. And I'm like, cool. And she came in from across the city. She did that. Then she was on the podcast and we we stay in contact this way. And she pretty much told me the last time we were having a Zoom meeting, she's like, listen, I feel like there's information from you that I can benefit greatly from. And when I recognize that, I decided... I'm going to inject myself into this person's life and I'm going to make you be my friend. She is so smart. She actually, she just does that. And it's actually funny because it reminded me of a time. I mean, that's how you do it. But that's exactly how you do it. There's a friend I have. She, I don't think she listens to the podcast, which by the way, some fucking friend, but there's a friend I have (laughs) named Jessica and we met probably, I don't know, like a decade ago and we met at work and I just went to her office one day. She was the new, the new girl at work. And I went to her office and I said, you want to go? for lunch and she said no another time i invited her for coffee she said no she kept rejecting me right and 
I just, I don't know, something about her. I, I'm going to get a little woo-woo right now. I don't know if it was her energy or whatever, but I was like, I feel like we would get along. And I kept trying to like socialize with her outside of work and she just wasn't having it. And she basically told me in these like pretty much these exact words, I have enough friends. I don't need any more friends. And I was like, sure, loud and clear. Let's go get lunch. She's like, what, like, what the <laughs> fuck did I just say? I'm like, you don't want any more friends. But how do you know that you don't want to be my friend if we've never hung out? So let's go for lunch. I swear to God, Dryden, we went for lunch that day and now it's over a decade later and we're still friends. She asked me to be a bridesmaid at her wedding. I was at her baby shower. We just had dinner at her place like a couple months ago before COVID. Like, yeah, we've been friends now for over 10 years, but you know, she didn't want to be my friend. You want something, you just fucking get it. I was like, I like her and we're going to be friends. And now we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be friends. I'm so That's creepy. Awesome. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. I'd Thanks. invite you to my wedding. My wedding, the wedding got canceled because of COVID. Oh, that happened. I'm yeah. I waited so... till 2020 because after school and everything and then yeah, it got canceled. So. Are you secretly relieved? <laughs> no. My brother got married. My sister got married. Her brother got married. I was the best man at all of them. I, uh, or uh, groomsmen were best man. I did it all. I was excited. My fiance was excited. You guys will figure it out. I like your attitude. And it sounds like, as you said, that I reminded you of her. So I like her already. It sounds like she's a positive influence on your life. She's and amazing. you guys yeah. will... You guys will figure out something awesome. Thank you for reaching out to us because this was a fun conversation. I think very motivational for new and old therapists. And, uh, yeah. you know, just a lesson in fucking go grab what you want and get it. Get it. Take it. Take it's, it. It sounds so creepy. No matter what. It. it does. Both of you guys put together made it sound fucking creepy. I'm like, I don't know what to do here, guys. What is going on? What is going uh, on? But yeah, thank, thank you again to you two just because I didn't even know how this is going to go. But you guys are so, uh, you're so easy to talk to, a very personable um, good luck with everything in your future too. Keep doing what you're doing because um, it helps people like me just to know that there's someone else out there that's like-minded. That's the main thing that draw me, drew me to you guys is you're like-minded. It's I can talk to someone and, and feel like I'm not alone in this world. You shouldn't tell people that you're like us, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exactly like you guys. Yeah, I'm exactly like you. Also, I expect to see a couple likes on my uh, Instagram posts. Go check out the stuff I've been doing. Oh, definitely. Go yeah, check that out. you messaged me through Facebook, so I got to go find Find you on Instagram. Is it just your name? Dryden dot a dot Ben Yeah. Why don't we do this? Why don't you formally give out all of your uh, social platforms and let our audience check you out? For sure, guys. So the the uh, starting September first, I'm going to roll out uh, my business, which is going to be called LePay Massage Therapy. LePay uh, is from my Métis language, Chinif. Uh, it means peace. So I'll be doing uh, LePay Massage Therapy. I'm going to change all my socials to that. But right now, you can find me on. Uh, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, um, Facebook, TikTok, all of that. I know I'm 31, but I'm on TikTok. I was going to say, we're too old for TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) It's all on there. Um, But it's it's Dryden. That's dryden.a.benwa.rmt. And on there, you can find range of motion videos. I do uh, uh, strength videos, stretch videos, things to help with uh, dysfunction on normal life. So go check it out, guys. And yeah, support me. For sure. And I'll make, uh, take all your dysfunctional pain away. Yeah, Right on. It's been good, man. I enjoyed this Thank a lot. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Cool. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.